Podcast ain't played nobody. Alex Kirshner, where are we? We are right here in the Courtyard Marriott in Indianapolis. Trash. Staring out over, well, in the beautiful downtown Trash. area of Indianapolis, I should say. Staring currently at two things. One is a minor league baseball stadium out the window, and the other to the left of that window is one Charles McDonald. Good-looking young our man. Our beloved former co-worker at Espionation. And My our, guy. And also our, our former friend. Uh, <laughs> former friend? Is, yeah, yeah, for real. Wait, Jeez. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, anyway, Charles, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's uh, you know, good reconnecting with the gang. Charles, second combine, third combine, third combine. Yeah, third combine. Uh, every time I've been here, I've been a part of a different organization. I guess so. The first time I was here, I was representing Football Outsiders. Last year, I was with SB Nation, and now I'm with the uh, the Daily News, covering the Giants and the Jets, and it's uh, it's been a ride. Okay, so you watched uh, a lot of bad football this year. I did. Um, it's funny. Uh, the people joke about this being an NFL podcast. This is an NFL podcast. We're at the Combine, baby. Uh, yes, yeah, so you watched a lot of bad football this year, um, whether it's Georgia or the Falcons or uh, both New York teams. Yeah. Um, when you cover an NFL team, a bad NFL team, an NFL team where you know the Combine is going to matter to you in a little bit of a different way. Um, like, what is it like covering that team? Those uh, teams? Because you got two of them. Yeah, it, it, the, the Jets and the Giants are in a weird spot where they have made investments at quarterback recently, but they still have high picks. So it, it kind of sucks in a way because, you know, I don't need to watch Joe Burrow. I don't need to watch Tua or Herbert or Love with those guys, but I need to watch everybody else. So... Uh, yeah, it, it, their their needs are pretty similar. Like in terms of offensive line, pass rush, cornerbacks, linebackers, wide receivers, you know, pretty much everything except quarterback and, and maybe running back. Uh, so you know, it, it's just it's a lot of information to take in. But I've been kind of lucky, I guess, by you know covering two teams that have pretty much the same needs uh, across the board. But I, the the hard part was I didn't really watch that much college football this year outside of watching you know Georgia poop their pants on offense every week uh, you love to see it yeah james coley uh that was it, 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 i could do a whole podcast on that but it, it was it was it was rough to watch so i didn't really watch that much college football outside of georgia because you know i was moving from dc to new york and we're not bitter about that at all yeah yeah <laughs> i like it uh so i was moving and you know there's a there was like a two three week stretch where i was couch surfing too so like i, I couldn't bring myself to spend you know, Sunday at football, you know, the week through football, then moving stuff. And then uh, I couldn't, I just couldn't watch football on Saturdays too. So now I'm playing catch up and I did not realize like with all these needs they have, how hard it would be to catch up. But you know, it's a, it's a learning experience. So you come to the combine with a team that's got a bunch of needs and you like, I mean, you're in every, I've seen you at basically every position, um, as every position goes through interviews, it's it, do you have to have uh, you know tabs on every position because of how bad both of them are? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, <laughs> yes. to, to be honest with you, yeah. So I mean, just to and, and we're, you know, free agency is going to uh, impact this too. But you know, just for an example, with the Jets, uh, they were seven and nine last year, but that record was very fraudulent. I mean, you, you could argue they had the worst offense in league before. You know, in that month where Sam Darnold had mono and, and missed like three or four games, they definitely had the worst offense in the league. You know, Luke Falk. Uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah, you guys are familiar with him. Is 
And I don't want to pile on, but he's like one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen in the NFL. And it didn't get that much better when Donald came back, but they somehow squeaked out seven wins. They barely beat the Bills' third stringers in Week 17. Uh, and you're looking at a situation where they might let their only offensive playmaker walk in Robbie Anderson. You know, and Le'Veon Bell's a good piece, but he doesn't matter if they don't have an offensive line. So, you know, if Robbie leaves, that means I pretty much got to know every single wide receiver that they could take in the draft, starting from, you know, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, all the way down to, uh, I mean, guys that I don't know yet, to be quite honest with you. So it's just it's so much information to take in. And, you know, over these next two months, I'm hoping to just, you know, be firm in, in who they're going to take, uh, what positions they're going to take and actually know about the prospects. But man, it, it's a, it's a lot of work as like a primarily NFL writer to, to catch up on that stuff. So you, so you talked about the wide receiver class and I want to talk about this wide receiver class because this wide receiver class is as deep as they have. E- it's ever been. Right. I mean, they're talking about what 35 wide receivers are going to get picked because the class is so deep. Um, and I know you haven't gotten all the way through these guys, but because the class is so deep and because all these guys are so good, how do you accurately calibrate? Like is last year's second round grade wide receiver actually a mid fourth round grade wide receiver just because there are so many of them? Yeah. I mean, the thing about this class is, and you guys know from watching these guys is, I've started to work through, and you you look at guys like Jalen Rieger. Uh, TCU, Jalen Rieger. Right. Like, that's a guy that in another year could end up in the first round, maybe in a year where, where Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb don't exist. But it, it's weird, like, as you start watching these guys, and we, even the Justin Jefferson from LSU, like, every single round that you could think of, they're quality guys. And that's 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 kind of rare. And it does make it fun to watch because – it's. I've seen too much bad football this year. It's not fun watching that stuff. So anytime you can get into a spot where uh, you have guys that are almost, I, I don't know if devalued is the right word, but they're they're getting uh, they're getting picked lower than they would in a normal year just because this class is so deep. So you know maybe if you are looking at it from the Jets perspective and you view offensive tackle as a bigger need than wide receiver. I think the offensive tackle class is a bit top-heavy this year. Maybe you take a tackle and, and bank on, you know, someone who you know can be a starter right away just because in the second round because uh, you know that there's so many wide receivers that you don't have to take a Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb at 11 if you think that, you know, you have a bigger need somewhere else. I think this is wild, but just as I look at some of the names in this receiver draft class, I could talk myself into, like, eight of them if I was feeling the right way just as a college football person as like a first round pick. And obviously that's ridiculous. There aren't going to be eight receivers picked in the yeah, first Mel round. Mel Kuyper thinks it's going to be 30 in the first but, three rounds. So. But <laughs> she, you know, obviously Lamb and Judy are great. Henry Ruggs is great. Yep. LaVisca Cheneau is one of the most fun college mm-hmm. football players and also just like a, he's kind of like a, he's built like a bulldozer. But yeah. he's fast. He kind of reminds me of James Washington a couple years ago, probably a better player. Justin Jefferson was, you know, a, a superstar receiver on one of the best college football offenses ever, right. maybe the best ever. We just talked about Jalen Rieger. T. Higgins, who's like an alien yeah, who just does him. absurd things and can catch pretty much anything within like a two square mile radius of him. I'm seeing a big board right now that has him uh, as the ninth best receiver in the draft. Right. So this is this is the year if you want to get a wide receiver. Because you know, yeah. even last year, because just going back to T. Higgins, I remember last year. There were people talking about him as like, you know, maybe even a top 15 pick. And that's kind of before you start 
watching these guys and ranking them and seeing who you know, performs uh, in the most recent college football season. So, you know, the fact that someone like T. Higgins could be a third-round pick or a late second-round pick kind of goes to show, like, the depth of, of this class. And it's fun because I like watching points be scored. Uh, I didn't get this. I didn't get to see a lot of that this year. So hopefully, hopefully we get more of that with some of these guys in the draft. I was going to ask you: Do you is this an outlier year of just talent, or is there something to be said for the way the game is trending, has trended towards aerial offense, and how you know refined and polished these guys are now coming out of school? Um, it, is it that, or is it just an outlier year of just a bunch of freaks? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I think it might be a trend, but. I mean, this this year is definitely a bit of an outlier, but I think as we move forward, it might be a trend because, you know, the receiver talent in the NFL right now is it's unbelievable. I mean, you, you got guys uh, who can go out and get a thousand yards in their sleep, and obviously, you know, teams are passing the ball more and stuff like that. But the the talent level of these guys is really strong, and it, it, to me, it's I don't know. I want to ask you a question: How you feel about this? Because it, it reminds me a little bit of how you see, you know, you you get these athletic big kids in high school, and instead of playing offensive line, they're going to move to defensive line because you know we can go create plays and we can create big plays, and maybe that we see that as more valuable than uh, than blocking. Like you know, in the '80s, if Ark Armstead comes out in high school, that dude's going to play left tackle, and you know he's a a premier defensive lineman in the league. And I kind of wonder if we're seeing the same thing on offense where you have these guys who may be talented cornerback prospects, but you know it, it's it, it's more conducive to try to score the ball than yeah, it is to try to stop. That is what I was going to say. I was going to say, and and this is a broader commentary on the game of football in general, but we, particularly in the college game, we have got to recalibrate what we think is good defense. Oh like yeah, what counts in the as NFL too? Defense. Um, you're not gonna sh- like a good defense is only a team that hasn't played an elite offense. Right. Like, that is all it is. And you see it with Wisconsin. What was Wisconsin? What was Wisconsin early in the season, Alex? What, three shout- shutouts in those first seven yeah, I mean, games they, they or basically, whatever? Like, it was, it was, they gave up almost no points for the first month plus of the season. Yeah, they're like pythoning yeah. everybody. Yeah. And then they got to, like, Ohio State. And they, they did keep Ohio State around. Illinois couldn't handle them. Couldn't, hire Illinois, or couldn't handle Illinois. Y'all couldn't already adjust know. for that. The podcast stays adjusted. Y'all already know. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that how, how we talk about – we have to talk about how we talk about defense. And that's a broad discussion for football in general in 2020. Yep. But it, it comes into when we talk about wide receiver play. Like, yeah, I do want my best athletes on offense because at the end of the day – What's more valuable for me as a coach and as a team is to score the ball, is to right. put the ball in the end zone. Um, and yeah, there's a level of complementary football that needs to be played. But what's more valuable? The like Gettleman, Dave Gettleman, <laughs> your fan favorite here. Yeah. Uh, the Giants GM was talking about how defense wins championships or whatever. But offense scores points. But you know, we were having a conversation with somebody last night at, at Pro Football Focus, who you know will remain nameless. But like, basically, when we were talking to him, he was like, "Does it?" Like, does it really? No. And I, I think... Like, you, did you watch the Super Bowl? Like, Right. When you watch the Super Bowl, defense was winning until Patrick Mahomes put on his Superman cape and then came and won that game. Uh, and, I mean, I don't... I, I'm not trying to sit here and deconstruct Dave's comments because it's just pure lunacy, most of them. But, uh, you know, even going back to that, that defense point you made, you can go back and look at the Patriots this year where you look at the start of their season and 
they're mowing through teams. Right. Like, I think at one point they had, they gave up two touchdowns and 19 interceptions. And they probably scored more than two touchdowns right. at that and point. I, I like think, the Jet, I mean, you were at the Jets Monday night game when oh, they absolutely the, destroyed Sam Darnold. The Sam Darnold seeing ghost game when he threw, he threw four picks. And I mean, that game was so bad. By the end of the game, he wasn't even trying to throw the ball inbounds. Like he was just, I'm not putting it in the field of play to get my fifth pick. Like the, we're, we're done here. But, you know, <laughs> they, they, right. But they have played, you know, they played, uh, they played the Luke Falk Jets. They played Sam Darnold. They played all these cupcake teams. And the then Dolphins, the tanking the Dolphins. Do- the tanking before Dolphins. we knew the Dolphins were going to be sort of comp- competent. Right. And then they get to the stretch in the season. And I think it started when they played the Ravens. And Lamar Jackson, you know, looked like the MVP out there. And then they played Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And you're like, okay. Well, they showed that that defense, more than anything, they showed that that defense was not set up to stop a modern, uh, right. or excuse me, I shouldn't say that. We showed that the defense could be gotten around in in the run game. Yeah. If you want, if you wanted to change up, if you wanted to run like QB power and that kind of stuff, right? Like what the Ravens did, and we showed that, and they also showed that their linebackers struggled in coverage, pass coverage. Yeah. Um. Okay, Charles. That's Charles. That's what Charles is doing here this week as an NFL journalist. Alex Kirshner, you work with me at Banner Society. We cover college football. Why are we here? Why are you here? Why does the, because when we talk to people, we run into people and they're like, what do you do? And we're like, oh, you know, we cover college football for bannersociety.com. You're people are like, why are you here? And it's funny because we're not the only like Bruce Feldman, of the athletic and Fox sports is here. Pete Thamel, Yahoo sports is here. Like there are people who cover college football and who live in college football that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are we doing here? Well, we're here for two reasons. I think the first reason is that football is football. Yeah. And, you know, the the more especially that the games uh, at the college and pro levels fuse, I think there's just more and more for us to do that's interesting here. But also, uh, I've always been a believer, and I, I think that most of us, all of us in this room definitely share that view, that by looking at the draft through a college football lens, uh, you can make some observations that sometimes people who – are just scouting a few YouTube videos of game film might miss. Uh, you know, so whether that comes into play on a specific player evaluation is one thing. You know, all of us in this room could have told the Bears a couple of years ago, you should probably draft Deshaun Watson and, and not, not Tr- Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky. Right. <laughs> um, there's there's a great, you know, comment uh, that I think Bill DeFilippo of Uproxx made a few months ago that like every NFL team should have someone on retainer who's just like a regular college football fan doesn't you really don't have to be any kind of like serious tape grinding football expert at all just to be on retainer to be like hmm, that guy's actually pretty good or, <laughs> or he's pretty bad like you know and just do that um so i think we can do a bit of that um and you know hopefully just do some some fun stories and talk to people and um be a little different but have fun yeah i, I think for me it is really interesting to be here and like i love I love the draft. I love the actual physical event of the draft. I cannot stand the NFL's draft industrial complex, although I am playing a Good full turn. part in it, given the fact that I am here. I love um, being a hypocrite. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, I do not like the run-up, but I do love the draft. I think the draft is a coronation, a culmination, um, the ability to see young men who we have, some of us have tracked with. You made the point earlier. Uh, a couple of days ago where you were like, yeah, like this is for the first time. Some of the recruits that you were at the opening with are now, 
you know, yeah. getting drafted. And I remember a few years ago, some of the guys that I covered that were, you know, going to go to Florida when I covered their recruitments, like they were starting to get drafted, like Quincy Wilson, Dalvin Cook, sure. like those guys. Yeah. When those guys got drafted, like those were guys that I cut my teeth as, you know, a, a pimple faced student newspaper journalist covering. And now they are going to the NFL. They are, are, are achieving their dreams. Yeah. Um, it is so cool to watch NFL NFL players or college players walk across the stage and become NFL players and shake the commissioner's hand. It is cool. It's yeah. weird. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's overly professional. It's a photo op, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's cool. I mean, and I can never get over how fulfilling it is to watch those players throughout their entire careers, you know, get paid. Yeah. I think a great example of this for me is something I thought was really fun the other day. I think in 2016, it would have been, I covered the opening, which is the big recruiting combine put on by Nike. At the time, it was in Oregon at their headquarters. And Jerry Judy was there. Because, of course, Jerry Judy was a five-star receiver at the time. He's going to be invited to an event like that. I interviewed him for something. This was back in the era when we used to make with Bud these, you know, really short kind of like maybe one to two minute like videos about recruits that we would put on Facebook because... You know, that was the way we did things back then. And I remember interviewing Jerry Judy and he was, you know, as many high school rising seniors are very awkward. He did not like talking to reporters. I don't know if he does today, um, but, you know, oh, he, I don't he, like talking to reporters. He, he didn't have, you know, a, a great deal of insight or much to say and seemed kind of nervous when we were talking. Totally understandable um, for, for any high school kid and really any person. But, you know, you see him, he goes, he plays Alabama for three years, he wins the national championship, he's the best receiver in college football for some period of time there. Um, and now he's standing on the podium at the NFL Combine, extremely confident, pulling out his Star of David necklace, telling everyone <laughs> that uh, he wears he wears the Jewish Star necklace because his nickname is Jew, which, fantastic, we welcome you, Jerry, to the tribe. That was the funniest um, thing I've And it's, it's, it's great to see, like, that kind of, A, that was hilarious, and again, welcome, Shabbat Shalom, Jerry. Um... <laughs> But uh, it was, it's really cool to see, you know, the evolution of these players who, you know, they don't know us, but we know them from watching them grow up on the field over the years. And then you kind of see these points where they have more confidence off the field, too. It's really cool. Yeah. I think my favorite thing about the, the Judy thing was he yesterday he tweeted out an apology. If oh, you yeah. Look, if you look at the replies, it's just a bunch of Jewish people like, oh, no. No, no. Yeah, we, we love you. We love you. Yeah. We, we accept you. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, we did one of these episodes, me, me, Godfrey, and Bud, um, at AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association Convention, where we kind of talked through the event. And we've talked about what we're doing here, but I think the Combine is an absolutely fascinating event. And again, I'm putting my foot in my mouth because I hate the draft industrial complex, but the Combine is like this incredible, it's like 10 events in one thing. Yeah. And it is so much more than just the running. Um, so for us, I think let's talk about what's some of the hot goss this week around here. Like when, when we were at AFCA, we were talking about how everybody was talking about USC and how USC was in the tank, all that kind of stuff. There it is. If you're playing the PAPN drinking game, I've mentioned USC's recruiting class. You can drink now. But here this week, what is some of the hot goss uh, going on around the combine? The biggest thing is the CBA. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it, it, de- it depends on what reporting you're reading because, you know, there's some reporters out there who don't need to be named and you know who they are. They're they're acting more as NFL PR than 
objective reporters. So, you know, they're kind of pushing this narrative that the deal is a lot closer than it actually is. And, you know, it's interesting because like the I, th- I think the player representatives actually passed the CBA. Yeah, and, now and it's it, going to a full vote of it's going to all a, the players. A full vote now. Uh, and based on some reactions on Twitter that we've seen over the past couple of weeks from players, this CBA does not seem very dead on arrival, right? I, and I mean, even even freaking Russell Wilson doesn't say anything, anything Any, ever. He never says yeah. anything. It just it came out today very strongly. Said you know NBA, MLB, NHL, their unions really back up their players. It's time for NFL to do it. And he's like, I'm done with the CBA. So mm-hmm. you know, each team has a player rep. That's in Indianapolis this year. Uh, that's a little different from most years because we're yeah. Not basically, what happened was last week, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Charles. But last week, when the owners ratified their proposal or, or you know the terms that they were going to send to the players, it became a thing. So the owners also wanted this done before the Super Bowl, right? Like they wanted this done a while ago because they want to negotiate new television agreements with Fox, CBS, ESPN with a 17th regular season game in hand. And able to go to the table with. That's the point. That's why they want this done really overall now, ASAP. So when they when the owners sign that deal or when they sign their version of the deal and hand it to the players, now the players are on like I was talking we were talking to somebody, Alex, who was like, Yeah, instead of going to the combine like I do every year, I gotta go to New York because I gotta negotiate this right. thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah it, it's different. And I mean the the areas that were that the players are kind of stuck on is they the owners want 17 games and it's obviously it's easy to see why the owners would want 17 games and why they want to add an extra playoff team even though you know if we once we get to you were your Steelers Alex's Steelers would have been in the playoffs last year that team right. was awful which like who would have that would have been right as a Steelers Duck fan. Hodges versus Patrick Mahomes as a in Steelers a, in fan, a NFL that would have been game. horrible right so you know I mean, it, yeah it, it's an easy money grab for the owners but the players are looking at it from like man like. There is the funny thing about the NFL in 16 games is like there is no scientific fact about how many football games is correct for a human body to play over the span of four months. The correct answer is probably zero. Yeah, probably but, so. You know, it, 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 like there's no the, the players are already banged up by the end of the season. It's, it's it's really hard to get through the postseason healthy, and now you want to add an extra game. And on top of that, you know, the, the owners took this away today as part of a little bit of a negotiation, but. They wanted to end and put a two hundred fifty thousand. They took that away. Yeah, took that away. The two hundred fifty thousand dollar max game check for the week for the, like the seventeenth game of the season. So basically, pretend you were on a seventeen million dollar contract, right? Instead of every game check being a million dollars, then that seventeenth game check is capped basically at two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Which you know, every, you're looking at. So for that. For you to be losing money on that week, you would have to be making $4 million in the season, which about 400 NFL players are slated to do this year. That's r- r- a, almost a third. That's yeah. probably 29 right. it, it, it was players. never It was never going to get passed. So then, you know, they kind of they took it away and say, well, you know, we can do 17 games, but we'll get rid of the $250,000 cap on that game. So that's been the big what issue. Are, what are you hearing about that? As we So basically, in it, this is this event is part testing and all that kind of stuff and the medical testing and the player testing and right. but it is also a big convention a convention of mm-hmm. league personnel you like that picture of Rob Lowe with like the league hat yeah there are I'm not kidding hundreds of people around in legitimate NFL I mean they work yeah. for the league they work yep. for the league one one bit of I think kind of conventional wisdom here is that and I think you might be able to just sense this from home at this point we're recording this on 
uh, Wednesday the 26th. The 17th game is going to happen. Yes. It, yeah, it is, I, it's on the table, and it is not coming off the table at this point. It's going to happen. Um, so, you know, it, it's we've heard so much about this prospect for so many years. I think that it's extremely clear to me now, um, and to all of us I'm gathering, right. that this that is going to happen, um, and there's really no, no taking that away at this point. Yeah, the question I think is – yeah, that, that's going to happen. The question is, what else? What what can the players lean on to get out of? Because if the seventeenth game is a fait accompli, you know, I'm not negotiating with the players, but like, I got to be in a situation where I got to get a lot of concessions um, in order for that to happen. This is the NFL's version of the smoky back room. Like we were, me and Charles were at a steakhouse late last night and Jerry Jones's bus is parked out front illegally as hell. And I mean like in the middle of the road, a white tour bus with stars on it is parked out. That could be anybody's. Yeah, (laughs) of course you're right. Um, But it's funny when you walk through this convention center and like, so basically the combine is, um, and this, if you've ever been to Indianapolis, you kind of understand this. Indianapolis is this interconnected kind of, you know, system of like skyways that you can get i mean i i barely went outside today right you can get all the way through downtown through these skyways that connect hotels and buildings and like i was talking to a player agent and he's like yeah i'm shuttling basically between the jw marriott on one end and the omni on the other end down the street on the other end of this convention center the convention center itself is kind of the epicenter of the whole labyrinth Place is and the, the biggest hotel- building I've ever seen in my life, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. It's massive. The it convention could, it center is massive. Buckingham Palace. Ju- I mean, like just, where, just where the player interviews we've done are at versus like where the media workroom is like a 10-minute walk. Um, and then like so the, the convention center kind of sits in the middle and the hotels kind of spoke off of that. Um, and, and that's kind of where the business is done. Like we got to a, we got to a hotel bar what last night and you texted me or I texted you and I was like, yo, it's kind of dead here. Um, and you know who pulled up to the bar right after we said it was pretty dead here? Charles McDonald. Well, Charles McDonald, um, but less notably than Charles McDonald, the new coach of the Browns. Yeah. Uh, and I like belly point, up to the bar. Someone pointed out to me, to me, man, I mean, I, I, it had been, it was not overstated how handsome this guy is. Yeah. Good looking guy. Mean, he's just, yeah, he's just standing next to me calling for whatever it was. I don't, I don't want to falsely report what he was drinking because I don't remember, but. Wow. More I mean, importantly, yeah. I introduced himself introduced myself to him and he remembered my name after a conversation was over. What a guy. That? You have a way with co- Did he offer you a mac and cheese recipe like Andy Reid did a couple did years not. ago? He did not. It's Stop. funny so I like and you you really do see like the full like this is a league convention. Um in a way that the NFL draft actually isn't because like Charles you're staying in New York for the draft, right? I'm not trying to ever be at the draft. Right. Well, like everybody kind of stays in their city for the draft. Because like press conferences and stuff are done at the team facility, mm-hmm. so beyond the Super Bowl, probably I'd imagine. I don't. I've never been to the Super Neither Bowl. Neither have I. Beyond the Super Bowl, I'd imagine this is probably the most NFL convention that you actually get because you get the gamut. Obviously, the NFL reporters are here. Like I flew from New York here with Schefter, and the Wi-Fi on the plane was out. Right. Uh oh. So we land and are taxiing to the jetway. Um, and Schefter has already gotten out that Michigan's Josh Uchi is not going to be running during the um, during the combine workouts and uh, part of the CBA, a CBA negotiation point had already gotten those tweets off. So he'd been sitting on those for like two hours with no Wi-Fi. One can only imagine how he felt. But then you walk through and, and you see coaches and head coaches like I was in the bar last night and Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien like 
walked off to get a beer together. You know what I mean? Um, so you see a little bit of that. And then you see like league personnel bouncing around. Um, it's kind of funny to watch coaches kind of just walk around alone, unencumbered without media it is. around it them. Is. Dan Quinn was rocking some Jordan 11s yesterday. As he drip. Does. Saw him today with uh, Dimitrov. Big drip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dimitrov, actually. Dimitrov. I interviewed me, Dimitrov. Thomas a couple days ago. He made great pains. It's Dimitrov. That's uh, brownie Fair points point. with him. Thank you. If yep. you ever meet him. Um, it's just funny it's just funny how everybody kind of comes together and all the people that you see on espn mix with coaches and then there's also like some retired players that are here too you know who i saw today around i saw so i'm just walking down the hallway i'm walking like out of the bathroom and steve mariucci walks by yeah ash wednesday on his on his forehead yeah it's good to see a good catholic boy yeah it's 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 such a hilarious ecosystem of just like everyone that you watched on nfl live when you were a kid um and they're just milling about unbothered and you know, pe- in a lot of NFL cities these guys are because of the uh, way that we treat the NFL in this country they're celebrities but here that's just kind of a and I think that's kind, kind of, of the worst. cool thing about people our age going to the combine cuz I'm 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 25 you guys are around that age yeah. 27 uh, I mean still, just turned 27 uh but I mean we grew up watching these people on TV and reading their work and now like they're not 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 quite our peers but it, it's you know we have access to them now and to me that's been like one of the coolest parts about going to the combine like just being able to meet reporters that i used to read and saying that they read my stuff and they like it it's just it's a it, it's a it's a cool experience no doubt uh the there's another part of it too that you know there are the medicals and there are the interviews like there is a lot of stuff like we don't even go as credentialed media. We don't even go to Lucas Oil for the actual workouts. No, you have to like win a lottery system to actually go to that. But the event is moving to prime or has moved to prime time anyway for the first time ever. So it's on NFL Network at night. The, the as drills we speak, right as we speak. And because of that, it's kind of flipped the schedule of things. Um you know, some of those bars may not be as rowdy as they were the last couple of years. You guys can let me know oh, because I mean, there's early wake up calls for interviews now. Yeah. I mean, I'm about to do the worst thing in the world, which is be the sports media member. Yeah, buddy. Accommodations. But man, is it cramping my style <laughs> that, that we have. Alex got a social that, life. That we, that we have an 8 a.m. I mean, how am I supposed to be a cosmopolitan about town? Uh, and you know, I brutal really. I just don't have the energy. Um, I mean, last year yeah. we, dude, we stayed out to the bar at three, four in the morning, like it was absolutely. And now, yeah. now, now we were at the bar last night, it's like oh, it's one o'clock. Yeah, I still haven't <laughs> forgiven you for that. I still have not forgiven you for that. I do recommend, honestly, if, if you're not a media member or you don't work in football but you want to come to Indianapolis during the NFL combine. I would say don't bother with going to like the NFL combine fan experience thing where you can like run 40s and things like that and watch people do the bench press. But you might have fun just staying in a Hyatt or perhaps a Marriott. Then, you know, you pretty much have two options there. You becoming a Marriott guy um, this week or a Hyatt guy this week? I don't know. I can't decide. But you might have a great time just like, you know, walking into bars and uh, drinking a gin and tonic and being like, oh my goodness, that is the tight ends coach for the Cincinnati Bengals and he's just like in the flesh right I mean, it is, so if I, you're a certain type of people watcher then it is it is truly unprecedented so the combine the, ch- the combine is changing in a couple ways and we talked about kind of time and the schedule and how that alters stuff but it also is changing because some teams aren't sending uh the Raider or excuse me the Rams and the Broncos both are not sending their full coaching staffs there are a couple coaches that they've left home why so I think some of them, I was talking to somebody about it earlier, 
it's funny enough, some of it's cost saving. Um, you know, instead of sending your whole staff here for like eight days, which is what it previously was, um, you know, maybe you don't send them all here for that long. Maybe you kind of save some money there. Um, you know, there's some stuff that you can do remotely. Like once you get the, um, once you get the medical measurements on guys, you know, you're, you're, once you get the medical measurements, you have the measurements. You know what I mean? Like there's some stuff that you can do remotely here. Um, you know, working from home or working from whatever oh, your home yeah. city is that you don't need to be here for. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to a, a handful of coaches that basically say, if I could be here for one day or even just a couple of days or a couple hours, I would do that. Like, because one, one, all they really need to be here for is the interviews. The interviews. Because they can get the measurements on their phone. They can get the times on their phones. But they got to meet the guys. So they got to end up spending more days. But There's something I'll, to be I'll, said for the drills, for seeing the drills. Yeah, for up seeing up, the drills. Particularly because this year there are like nine new drills. Yeah, that's So there's yeah. something to be said for seeing the drills that's a fair up close. Point. But you don't – because college, NFL coaching staffs are so damn big. Like college coaching staffs – I know we talk a lot about how – College coaching staffs are ballooning. And yes, legally, 10 coaches on a college coaching staff. I think enlightened minds understand that the Alabamas of the world and the Georgias of the world are not at 10 coaches. I'll just leave it at that. NFL teams really are at 25, 25 coaches on staff. You've got a cornerbacks coach and you've got an assistant cornerbacks coach and you've got a quality control coach that works with the DBs. You got an inside linebacker's coach. Assistant. You have an inside linebacker's coach, you have an outside linebacker's coach. Yeah. Like and NFL coaches can do that. Or NFL right. coaching staffs can do that. So maybe you only send one cornerbacks coach and not all four. That's kind of some of the cost saving and it's funny to think of NFL teams literally cost saving, but maybe more time saving is like like cost saving is an unintended good consequence for this team, these teams I guess. But maybe it's like time saving and devotion of resources is the actual like good term about it. But the combine's changing and and you know, we'll get to Indianapolis just what Indianapolis is in a little bit, but like the the combine may not even be here in a few years. The combine contract runs out with Indianapolis at the end of 2021. I think so, yeah. And Ugh. there are the conspiracy theory is that so the Rams are about to finish their stadium out there, Rams and Chargers Stadium. The NFL is basically yeah, making the Chargers on that's a little strong. That's <laughs> the the Chargers are on the lease for now. Um the Rams stadium apparently like around that stadium is going to kind of be like the NFL's like West Coast hub, so to speak. Um and there is some talk that the combine may end up moving out there sooner rather than later i know indianapolis has gone through this when they built the new stadium what was going to happen at the combine lucas oil in the last few years um probably 10 years ago whenever they built it but yeah the combine is i don't want to say it's an identity crisis but like the combine is not for fans right but it mm-hmm. is for fa- like they right, have made right. it for fans it is effectively and fundamentally not for the fans. This is what Indianapolis has going for it that LA does not have going for it. And there, you know, you might say there aren't many things like that, but here's what Indianapolis has going for it. It is a perfect town for a affordable. We'll break down. We'll break down Indianapolis in a little bit. We'll break down Indianapolis in a little bit. But I think what Indianapolis has that LA probably doesn't have is we talk about this interconnected, like this interconnected kind of labyrinth of like hotels and stuff that isn't something you have in LA. That isn't something that you have in a lot of cities. And I do think that is a strength of Indianapolis because, because of the business 
that needs to be done here because of the business that needs to be done here. Like it is interesting how, um, how it all kind of works together to get everyone in the same place. Um, but Charles, there's other stuff here too. Like when you watch the draft, um, and you see like the interstitials, like after a player gets picked, you see the like ultra cool, like he like holds a ball up and like, he like nods or whatever. And it's like that little like sizzle reel or whatever. Um, they film that here. Yeah, I got a funny story about that today. Uh, so, you know, we, we saw the room where they film it, and you apparently know, there's a car. There's a classic car. Yeah, there's on like ESPN a car in set. there. So there's they they are playing one song every time I've walked by there. They're playing one song, "The Box" by Roddy Rich. By Roddy Rich. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, right. And <laughs> I was walking to the media workroom uh, earlier today, and this dude walks outside of the. Uh, the room where they're filming it and you can hear the box playing in the background this dude walks outside and he sits down and he puts his hand in his lap and he's or his hand in his head and he's like if i hear that song one <laughs> one more time i'm going to lose it and i, I, was, I looked at him i was like this song slaps so he's like yeah it's good but i i listened to it like 500 times in the past two days i was like okay yeah i'll get sick of it too then so there are like there are also like coaches meetings that like go on here there is an nfl pr meeting um that i think happened I believe it was like Monday where like all the NFL PR people happened. That's kind of the convention atmosphere and like pseudo convention style that the combine actually has. I, I just think that's an interesting, it's an interesting part of the combine that I, I think a lot of people don't like think about. Like we were talking to pro football focus guys. And so pro football focus through this event, like they're here um, running meetings with every NFL team. Yep. Sometimes more than one meeting, but every NFL team, this week like that's a way to get FaceTime with all 32 teams and it's one of the reasons why I don't think the combine will ever fundamentally it's never going to go away right but I don't think it's even going to fundamentally change that much because there is something to be said for the different business relationships that the league has and being able to get all 32 in the same place in a way that maybe besides the Super Bowl does not happen um and I, I just thought that was like a really, really interesting way to view the combine and mm-hmm. a lens with which to see it through. Um, we've walked through. There are like some vendors here. I don't know if you've. So I, I wanted to ask you this: At what point in time are teams interfacing with these venue, these vendors that are selling like tackling dummies and I don't know I, recovery I, software and drinks and stuff, which I, mean, I have seen. I mean that. I mean to actually ask people about that. Uh, but I don't know how much the teams interact with that. But you know, it's cool. Like I remember the the first time I came here, there was this there was this room that had like all these supplements and like workout supplements, and I just walked in and grabbed like twenty free samples of like protein powder. <laughs> and uh, it, it's kind of like similar to to Sloan in a way where you can go in and interact with some of like this new technology that that they're creating for these NFL teams. Like, I don't know how much the teams themselves, and I'm sure that if a team representative wanted to go see that, they wouldn't just walk down publicly. Like, they'd probably make an appointment or something else like that. But it's really cool to see some of the, you know, new technology, like player safety technology, player tracking technology that they have available for you to look at the combine. And, you know, I'm sure some teams will look at it, probably some more than others. You know, like even like we talked with uh, the Pro Football Focus guys last night, some teams take more advantage of the, their data yes. than, than other teams. Uh, so it's probably a case-by-case basis. But, uh, you know, just like all the stuff that's on display, like all the stuff that can make this game that we love better, like it's really cool to be able to look at it and interact with it. Uh, the homies from EA Sports, like Madden, is doing like their face scans. They face scan all 330 
players here at the combine and we were asking them we were like so what how did you used to do this they said this is like the fifth year i think that they've done it like this um and they're like well we used to go to every single training camp and do every single training camp and you know it's one of those things where either you get the guys or you don't and i'm like that's wildly inefficient but right is what it is um but here you can shuttle them all in and you can get them all um and you can get them all I will say this. One gripe that we have at the Combine is the NFL, most opulent sports league in the country, has not found an effective way to get all the players on individual tables so that we can interview and talk to them one-on-one. Not even one-on-one, but just like like they put two players at the same table and it's a media horde. That has been my one gripe with the whole event. It's yeah, just the really best hard. is when there's like two guys sitting at a table and there's four empty podiums like great job nfl definitely made that as efficient as it possibly could be hashtag this league okay ryan nanny's entered the room that means we've got to go to dinner again ryan nanny is the reason that the podcast is shorter than it otherwise will be because that's how life works he's the boss what he says goes he's uh, not my boss anymore alex <laughs> alex I, alex wants to talk about indianapolis and i want to talk All about right, indianapolis look, real quick look the before quick, we the get quick, out of the here quick pitch is that there is no quick pitch. The quick pitch is that Indianapolis, nothing in this city is more than 15 minutes walking apart from any other thing in the city in the downtown area. So I think that this city is small in the right ways and that everything is kind of like densely packed together, but big in the sense that uh, it doesn't actually feel that cramped, which I don't really understand how you simultaneously do those things, but I like the layout I like the fact that you can eat at like you know no small number of like fine restaurants. Uh, oh, I, I think don't know about that. Oh, fine is in like I think, I think hashtag we, fine like we, seven we, out of ten. We yeah. agreed that that the big famous steakhouse here, St. Elmo, was a worthwhile experience. If I your think. shrimp cocktail is better than your steak, but and you're a steakhouse, we have a problem. If your cream of spinach is better than your steak, we got a problem. If your dry aged steak isn't as good as something I can get at Key Food in Brooklyn and whip up in the cast iron in my tiny apartment, you have a problem. Yo, I was so close to disputing. That charge on my debit card. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna pay all that money for a steak that doesn't even taste like anything. Come on now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that was the most money I've ever spent on a, spe- on a steak. And I'm don't not. Gonna, Ryan, I'm not gonna say it on this podcast because my boss is in the room and I don't want this to be used against me in like a grievance hearing. Or yeah. Some point. But man, it was it was a good, but but not necessarily uh, XX dollars steak is how I'd put it. I will say Indianapolis. My th- like. The 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 walkways are like kind of a double edged sword, because like yeah it's nice to go outside, but also a level of cabin fever has set in because I like how much time have we really spent outside? Barely. And any. I like maybe almost none. I was gonna say maybe like thirty aggregate minutes in the last three days, and that's probably a high. Yeah. Like that's probably overestimating it. Um. So look, if your city's claim to fame is that we make it so you can't, so you don't have to go outside. Maybe you have an issue. Then you're planning very well. I it's a good on a snow day like today, but I generally agree with Richard. Fair enough. Yeah, I think uh, the the one thing I cannot remember who was saying this to me last night, but they're like Indianapolis is made so that whatever event it's hosting can just graft the culture of its event onto Indianapolis. It's a canvas of a city. Absolutely. Indianapolis, Indiana. 
a yeah. canvas of a city. I'm Charles ready, McDonald, yo. where can the people find you on the old interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Four Verts. You know, just doing. You know, if you like the Giants, the Jets, I'm your guy uh, with the New York Daily News. So. You really say that with a lot of conviction. <laughs> If you want to read stuff where we're making fun of Dave Gellman. Charles Charles is one of the best football writers in the world and oh, you don't have to say that just cuz he's good enough that you should I mean I don't I can't in good conscience say that you must read it something about the Giants and Jets but Charles finds a way to make it interesting even though it's about the Gi- Giants yeah. and Jets. And even if like now we're just in straight off-season mode so I do national stories too it's so like free agency uh draft stuff like that like pretty much if you if you want to if you like football and you like to laugh, you should definitely follow me on Twitter. Chuck's the man. Alex Kirshner, where can the people find you? You can find me at Cross on Twitter. It's my competing Twitter account that I made to, with four verts, to yeah. undercut oh, Charles okay. Forverts. Um, <laughs> no, my Twitter account is my name with an underscore in the middle of it, Alex underscore Kirshner. I'm at RJ underscore rights, as you all know. If it snows here on Friday and I'm stuck in Indianapolis, Indiana. And you'll be I'm very happy about it. Freak out. With excitement. No. <laughs>